Modern Love, the podcast, is supported by... Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like expanding capacity for sustainable aviation fuel and biodiesel in Washington state and bringing massive new infrastructure online in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. From the New York Times and WBUR Boston, this is Modern Love. Stories of love, loss, and redemption. I'm your host, Meghna Chakrabarty. Let's face it, dating can be terrible. There's awkward small talk, mixed signals, getting ghosted. Sarah Moses writes about it in her essay, Single Woman Seeking Manwich. It's read by actor and rapper Aquafina. She stars in Crazy Rich Asians and Ocean's 8. I almost gave up on dating when a sandwich rejected me. I got a message on OkCupid that said, What's shaking, bacon? And the only profile pictures were of actual sandwiches. Delicious-looking sandwiches, but sandwiches nonetheless. Since I was feeling hungry and lonely, I decided to reply. A lot of bready puns ensued. The bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich told me he needed me, and I told him I hoped I could rise to the occasion. He told me I was on a roll and assured me that my jokes weren't stale. He then said I was baking him crazy and asked me to be his bagel. I wrote, I'd love to be your bagel. Then I never heard from him again. Maybe I was too eager and shouldn't have used two exclamation points. The sad thing, yes, sadder than corresponding with a sandwich, is that I was actually disappointed. Was I too witty or not witty enough? Perhaps I shouldn't have used the word love, even though it was disguised as loaf. But then I reminded myself that I was rejected by a sandwich. I ended an eight-year relationship in 2012. The last time I spoke with my former boyfriend, a year after we broke up, I inadvertently quoted Taylor Swift. When he asked how long our break was going to last, I said, We are never, ever getting back together. Feeling empowered from channeling Miss Swift, I created an online dating profile. That was three years ago. Since then, I've been out with countless guys. Had more than one date with some, but no more than five dates with any. Granted, I'm not a great flirt. My idea of flirty banter is sending someone the clue to a crossword I can't solve. I've tried to play it cool, but that may come across as cold. I've tried being honest. The last guy I went out with asked me on a fourth date, and then 
disappeared. Reason dictated that he did not die in a horrific crash, but rather changed his mind about me. Even so, I texted him a couple of weeks later to clarify. The essence of my message was, I liked you, and you hurt my feelings. What gifts? Which makes me question if I am 40 years old or 14. His response was vague. Something about being in Canada, getting distracted and dropping the ball. I should have known better than to ask. The reality is that if someone unexpectedly goes out of town, has to work late, gets sick, you probably will never hear from him again. Despite the fact that he says he'll get in touch when he's back in the country, out of jail, emerged from his coma. Everyone says you have to be happy with yourself before you can find happiness with someone else. I find that notion extremely frustrating. I am happy enough. I have a good job, great friends, and live in New York City. But I am not going to say the loneliness isn't palpable, that I don't wake up in the middle of the night in a state of panic, wondering if I am going to be alone for the rest of my life. This does not inspire the happiness that I am supposed to embody before I find a partner. Between panic attacks, I have continued to put myself out there, taking the advice that I often dole out to my single friends. All it takes is one. This is not to be confused with the one, because I don't believe in soulmates, which is pretty remarkable considering the number of romantic comedies I've seen, approximately all of them, by all it takes is one, I mean you only need to find one person. I met Jim at Bar Reese in Park Slope. It was early fall and warm enough to sit outside. I found him at a picnic table in the backyard where it was fairly dark. We chatted about work. Then we talked about where we grew up. I mentioned that I'm from Los Angeles and he asked about my ethnicity. I told him that in New York, everyone assumes I'm Jewish. My dad is, but my mom is not. Jim cocked his head and stared at my nose. Well, it's a little bit of a hook. Excuse me? Your nose, it's, it's like a little bit of a hook, but not too beaky. Uh, it was broken when I was little, but I declined the nose job that a lot of girls in L.A. were probably offered. When I am uncomfortable, the valley girl in me comes out, and I end every sentence in a question. It's like totally awesome. Jim didn't seem to notice. He said that it was cool I'm comfortable with my nose and that it suited me. I think this was supposed to be a compliment. He then went on to say, but my teeth aren't great. I go to the dentist, but they're rotting from the outside in and there's nothing they can do about it. The words rotting from the outside in hung in the air. I was struck that he was so matter-of-fact about it. He said that his teeth are really thin and that everyone in his family has thin teeth. I sat there nodding and smiling and trying to get a decent look at his teeth, but it was too dark. When we went inside to pay the bill, he smiled in the mirror behind the bar, and in the light, I could see that his teeth 
did look, well, grayish. He turned to me and said, I'm a pretty good-looking guy, right? I told him I admired his confidence. When I tell people this story, they are typically offended on my behalf. One friend said she would have walked out after the nose comment. I was more surprised than offended, and I don't think he meant it to be hurtful. First dates can be awkward. They're basically job interviews with alcohol. In fact, one date seemed exactly like a job interview. I was out with a guy who works in advertising, as I do, and all he wanted to talk about was the cost of full-page ads in magazines. People say and do weird stuff on first dates. Another guy didn't take off his clip-in bike shoes. Between his gait and the clicking of his shoes, it sounded as if a horse were approaching every time he walked across the hardwood floor from the bar. We were at the Bell House in Brooklyn, and after his second beer, he lay down across the couch where he was sitting and stayed like that for a while, with his bike shoes propped up on the arm of the couch. Then he put drops in his eyes. When he sat back up, the drops made it look as if there were tears rolling down his face. I asked if everything was okay, and he looked at me as if I were the crazy one. A short time later, I was out with a lawyer, and after a couple of drinks, I had my hand on his knee, and the words, I always get what I want, came out of my mouth. It's as if I were acting in a play or trying on a new version of myself, since my usual version didn't seem to be having much luck. I'm fortunate the lawyer didn't sue me for ridiculousness. Some say the definition of insanity is repeating the same behavior over and over and expecting a different outcome. While dating does make me feel crazy at times, when messaging with a sandwich, for instance, I keep at it in hopes that one day the outcome will be different. At the same time, I also try hard to accept that it may never happen for me. I tell myself that I don't need a partner to lead a happy and fulfilling life. Then one morning, I'm on the Q train, across from a cute couple who look hipsterish in a non-annoying, unironic way. I imagine that he is in a band and that she does something cool and creative. He says something funny to her and she laughs, then puts her head on his shoulder. When they get up to leave, he holds her hand and they just look so stinking happy. I want to cry, feeling creepy for staring at these strangers and also envious that they seem to have what I want. I get off the train at Union Square and give myself a little pep talk on the walk to my office. I won't give up on dating, at least not now. And I'll just have to hope that Mr. Bacon, Egg, and Cheese wasn't the sandwich that got away.
That's Aquafina reading Sarah Moses' essay, Single Woman Seeking Manwich. We'll catch up with Sarah after the break. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if the sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey there, it's Ira Glass from This American Life. If you don't know our show, it's true stories that unfold like little movies for radio. Lots of them funny with surprising moments and plot twists. We've been on the radio for years. And we've teamed up with the New York Times to bring you new episodes of This American Life a full day and a half before you can find them anywhere else online. And the place you can do that is the New York Times audio app every Saturday morning. In the app, you also find the best of our archive, hundreds of episodes, Plus, This American Life shorts, which are handpicked stories when you're in the mood to hear something good, but you don't have time for a whole episode. And the New York Times audio app, can I say, is chock full of tons of other stories and podcasts curated every day for those moments that you want to listen to something and you don't know what you want to listen to. You can download it at nytimes.com slash audio app and subscribe to start listening. And if you're not already a New York Times subscriber, well, this is another reason to become one. Again, that's nytimes.com slash audio app. Sarah Moses is a fan of the Modern Love column and had wanted to write a piece for a long time. She realized that the sandwich incident gave her perfect material. I mean, it was just funny and kind of sad, and that sort of sums up online dating. She got a lot of responses to her story, and she told us that her favorite came from a woman who found her phone number and left her a voicemail. So I got it at work a couple of months after my piece had come out, and oh my god, it was so hilarious. She was just like, This is weird, but I'm a mother who has a 43-year-old son in Manhattan. He's a wonderful, smart, slim, handsome guy, very successful, and also feeling that New York is a hard place to meet people. And I thought you might like to meet each other. If you are at all game to meet someone because his mother left you a message, then please look him up on Facebook and don't tell him his mother left this message. But if you should click, then we can reveal this secret. It was a riot. She was really sweet. I never ended up meeting her son. I kind of wished I had met her, though. She seemed pretty cool. Sarah says that the story she wrote about wasn't the only time that sandwiches intersected with her dating life. When she was up at a lake house with friends, she started flirting with one of the guys there. And the last night they were there, she decided to make a move. He had grabbed a sandwich, like a half of a leftover sandwich out of the fridge. And I noticed he'd left his phone in the house. I was like my, you know, excuse to go back out to his tent and went to his tent, gave him his phone and like basically tried to get in the tent. And he was just like, no, I just want to eat my sandwich. Um... I think he said it nicely, and we're still friends. Like, it was kind of weird, but it's fine now. He's just like, please, please go away. I just want to eat my sandwich. And I mean, I was just laughing because I'm like, 
So I got rejected by a sandwich, and now I have been rejected like for a sandwich. So like, I don't know, I need to rethink my relationships with sandwiches maybe. Sarah's still dating, but she says she hasn't found the relationship she's looking for. If like finding someone to share your life with like defines your life's happiness, like that's just sad. I don't accept that as an outcome. So I try really hard to be fine doing stuff alone, and sometimes I'm lonely. Sometimes I feel alone. I mean, there is a difference, though. Sometimes I'm really grateful that I'm alone. I'm like, I think it's a hard balance. I have certain things that I would just want to have in a partner, and if I don't find that, then I'm going to be fine like this. That's Sarah Moses. She works in publishing in New York City. We've got more after the break. This podcast is supported by Carvana. Looking for a new set of wheels? Shop for your next car the convenient way. 100% online with Carvana. Whether you're shopping for a vehicle at your leisure or if you need to get on the road, Carvana makes it super easy and hassle-free to browse their massive inventory of cars whenever, wherever. Plus, Carvana has thousands of quality cars for under $20,000. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for cars the convenient and affordable way. Hey there, it's Ira Glass from This American Life. If you don't know our show, it's true stories that unfold like little movies for radio. Lots of them funny with surprising moments and plot twists. We've been on the radio for years. And we've teamed up with the New York Times to bring you new episodes of This American Life a full day and a half before you can find them anywhere else online. And the place you can do that is the New York Times audio app every Saturday morning. In the app, you also find the best of our archive, hundreds of episodes, plus This American Life shorts, which are hand-picked stories when you're in the mood to hear something good but you don't have time for a whole episode. And the New York Times audio app, can I say, is chock full of tons of other stories and podcasts curated every day for those moments that you want to listen to something and you don't know what you want to listen to. You can download it at nytimes.com slash audio app and subscribe to start listening. And if you're not already a New York Times subscriber, well, this is another reason to become one. Again, that's nytimes.com slash audio app. Here's Daniel Jones, editor of the Modern Love column for the New York Times. One of the most common essays I get is the list of bad dates. It almost always has to do with online dating and Tinder, and almost always those essays are a little hard to take. But every once in a while, that list is pure gold, and that's what Sarah Moses' essay was for me. I just, from the moment she feels slighted by a sandwich who stops responding to their exchange of puns, which I totally felt, you know, like even though you don't know this person at all, she's so self-deprecating and um, she's able to spin these horrible experiences into pure gold. And here's Aquafina. What made me really want to read this one is is a, a, a relatability factor, a kind of like really depressing cycle that all women in New York City tend to go through which is just kind of submitting themselves to these really horrible, cringy conversations and and dates. I think that there is a real fear of being alone, and I think that we do 
really outrageous things to prevent ourselves from being alone. It definitely encapsulates how horrifying the dating world is. Thanks again to Aquafina for reading this week's piece. You can see her in Crazy Rich Asians in theaters now and in Ocean's 8. Next week, Sandra Oh, star of Killing Eve. I am often asked if I am married. Sometimes I lie and say that I am. Sometimes I lie and say that I am not. Neither answer feels entirely truthful to me. Modern Love is a production of The New York Times and WBUR, Boston's NPR station. It's produced, directed, and edited by Jessica Alpert, Caitlin O'Keefe, and John Parati. Our intern is Louisa Judge. The idea for the Modern Love podcast was conceived by Lisa Tobin. Iris Adler is our executive producer. Daniel Jones is the editor of Modern Love for The New York Times and advisor to the show. Music for the podcast, courtesy of APM. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. We'll see you next week. 